and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're continuing our series, Here Comes Heaven. And this week, we're looking something that is so evasive in our culture, peace. And it's not just in the culture we live right now. It's throughout history. It's something that has been tough to attain. And we're going to look at it from a biblical perspective today. I hope you're excited. I know I am. So grab your Bibles and let's dive in. As we continue our series, we find ourselves taking a look at peace. And and at Christmas in general, I think it's it's safe to say that it's not easy keeping all the facts straight about Christmas. Uh, if you watch enough Hallmark movies, you're not sure what Christmas is <laughs> ever uh, anymore. Uh, and, and it's also not easy keeping our faith and our, our feelings lined up either. Uh, and does Christmas really bring joy and peace and forgiveness and hope. Um, according to most studies that that I was reading, this is a season of stress. It is a season where people are are it's many people are sad, uh, and and there's a lot of anxieties that come with this type of year. Uh, and uh, NBC actually conducted a, a poll and found out that 41 percent of people feel that they are just maxed out right now. Uh, whether it's finances, whether it's just emotionally, uh, and and it's tough, right? Uh, and yet today we find ourselves talking about peace. Last week we took a look at hope and understanding hope in the past, the present, and the future. Uh, and today we're taking our turning our attention to peace, and we find ourselves in in Luke chapter two, verse ten. Uh, and where after one angel had appeared to the shepherds in in verse 10, announcing good news of great joy that will be for all people, suddenly an entire army of angel messengers fill the sky with an outpouring of adoration and said in verse 14, glory to God in the highest. And, and while angels do sing in other instances, this time they say these words of worship specifically. The word suddenly means that the heavenly host appeared unexpectedly. It is if one angel announcing the news was no longer enough and suddenly the sky filled with a multitude of, of messengers, a great company of warriors. Uh, and, and I don't want us to think that this was like an 80-person choir. We're probably talking about the tens of thousands of, uh, of, of angels appearing. Appearing uh, to them, singing praise in the highest possible uh, way. Uh, they couldn't help but praise Christ because he had been born. First uh, Peter chapter one twelve tells us that angels long to look into these things, and this has the idea of angels peering into the idea of redemption, knowing what is coming next. And these angels were waiting a long time for the birth of a baby, and now they are just filled with adoration. And, and this is the song that comes out of it. The, this doxology that we hear by the angels at the end of the message was God-centered. It was focused on the glory of God, which is what we know angels sing about. Uh, and can you imagine how loud this must be? Uh, there... Uh, the funny part in this is is that their praise then led them to declare a proclamation of peace. 
and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, it seems hard for us to imagine a bunch of shepherds out in the fields uh, minding their own business in the quiet nights outside of Bethlehem when all of a sudden a host of angels appear and start singing and then say, hey, peace. (laughs) It doesn't seem like a peaceful night. And I think that's where even today as we look at this, we'll see that our definition of peace is a lot different than what the sometimes the biblical or the world definition or the world, sorry, I should say that again. The world's definition of peace is much different than what the biblical definition of peace is. Uh, I I kind of, if I'm translating this, it, it would really be on earth peace among men who are the objects of his pleasure, uh, saying God cares so much and he's for you and he's declaring peace. Uh, is because uh, the wording is slightly different when when we read uh, when we read this. Now, the uh, the idea that we have here, in fact, one Greek scholar renders it like this: peace among men who are the recipients of God's goodness. Uh, and and you'll notice that the peace comes only after praising. I, I think that's an important step that we have to focus on here: is that we must put God first and His glory first then peace will be the outflow of that. Not, I'm living in chaos, I want peace now. It, it is really the order in which we, we do this. We put God first, we give glory to God first, and that natural outcome of that will be peace. And while this is a, a great time of year, there's also nothing magical the season if if someone doesn't know Christ and i think that's the other the other focus that we have when we take a look at at peace and and what it means the word peace actually occurs about 400 times in scripture uh, and in the old testament peace is the word shalom which we've often heard in fact if you're talking to someone on the streets in jerusalem you the way you say hello is you say mashalom cha what's your peace uh, and and that's the greeting, uh, and and when he uses a greeting, shalom was a wish for outward freedom from disturbance, as well as an inward sense of well-being for the Jewish people. Uh, to a people constantly harassed by enemies, peace was the premier blessing. In fact, in Numbers chapter six, twenty-four to twenty-six, God gave Moses these words to use when blessing his people: "May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace." And and so. So we see that there's this importance in the Old Testament specifically about how much of a value is put on peace. And and I want to jump in today a little bit in Isaiah 61, uh, written 700 years before Jesus was born. Uh, and, and then we'll move to a scene in the synagogue where Jesus applies the words from Isaiah chapter 61 to himself in Luke chapter 4. And and we're going to be linking these two passages together by drawing from the Christmas Christmas narratives that we find in Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1. So we're kind of bouncing around, but the idea is, is to show the natural flow of not only what was declared as a promise in the Old Testament, as it is fulfilled in the New Testament with Jesus. And, and I hope you are picking up on the fact that, that last week we talked about hope and that past hope based on promises— 
that will be fulfilled. And so here we see hope realized, and it's actually coming in the form of peace, uh, which is uh, a promise of God as well. So Isaiah 61.1 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came to bring joy, and he came to bind up the brokenhearted. And this echoes Psalm 147.3, which says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Now, I think it's important for us to understand, yes, what peace is, but also what is not peaceful or, or what is brokenhearted, because this is a key component of, of attaining peace, is understanding what it is not. Uh, and, and this can cover all sorts of things. This is people who are crushed by a loss in life, uh, circumstances are are weighing on them, uh, people who are broken, uh, people who are abused, people who have disappointment, people who have physical ailments, who have loneliness, who are victimized by aggressors, who are rejected by those they love, paralyzed, uh, have made bad decisions, in many ways summed up, destitute because of sin, uh, and sin has taken over their lives. So brokenhearted covers a lot of areas in the biblical world. So so that message of Jesus coming to bind up the brokenhearted, um, you know, brokenness hits us physically, relationally, emotionally, financially, and spiritually. And in times like this, it's good for us to take comfort in the, the knowledge that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I mean, it, it makes us glad that Jesus binds up the brokenhearted. Uh, and, and Isaiah 9, 6 tells us that one of, the name, one of his names is Prince of Peace. In fact, if, if you drive into the parking lot at Sunrise Community Church, you'll see that our Christmas banners are up. And on one side, it says, in his name shall be called. And we go through all of the different names uh, of that Isaiah 6, Prince of Peace, the Prince who comes brings peace uh, is a literally the declaration that that it has, uh, and even more so. Verse seven adds, uh, "Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end." Uh, Isaiah fifty three three says that Jesus is a man of sorrows, and and each of us and gives each of us personal attention, soothing pain, healing, and restoring us to wholeness. In short, he brings peace where there is no peace. Uh, and, and, and again, that's kind of this theme that we're going to start to see as we look at these key components of, of Advent. With hope, it's, it was realizing that, that we can put our hope in Christ and that we shouldn't put our hope in our own, lose hope in our own circumstances because Christ himself uh, is more than the sum of all of our circumstances. It, it allows us to focus our hope. Christ, again, allows us to focus our peace. So, so continuing on with this, the peace in the New Testament means to join together, to, to set at one again. Um, and there's several dimensions to this that I want to just talk about today. The first is I mean, it all has to go in order. The first is peace with God. That's that vertical dimension that we have to have. Peace with God, before understanding how we have peace with others, is we have to put God first. We must come to grips with our our state of our relationship with God apart from Christ. And, And while God loves us and cherishes us, 
he's filled with indignation because of our sinfulness. Uh, Romans chapter 1, 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And, and so we, we see here that there's something about making yourself right with God. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, 1. So there is that recognition that God has to come first. In order for us to attain peace with others, we got to be at peace with God. Uh, and and that sometimes is, is the tougher part of it, right? Because we find ourselves in a place where we want to see relationships healed or, our, our, well, relationships with others restored. And we want peace in other areas of our life. But to have that, we can't just go straight to the end outcome, right? We need to go first and have that peace with God. Peace only sounds wonderful when we recognize that we've been at war, I think, is, is sometimes a good way of putting it. It's, it's a radical thought that God's anger is satisfied because of the sacrifice of his son. God's fury is fully absorbed by the death of Jesus. Uh, once we are justified by faith, peace is a primary reality for the believer. And, and the word with God points to a personal relationship with God. Um, and, and I need us to understand this. We don't deserve this peace to men on whom his favor rests, that is, is talked about. In fact, we deserve much, much worse. But because of God's great love, he has provided a way for us to be set at one again with God. God's joy and his justice converge on the cross of Calvary. His love and his law find full satisfaction through the death of his son. Uh, of his son. God is both just and the justifier. But I didn't want to get ahead and talk about love and joy because we haven't done that in in our series yet. Uh, so uh, I think the main component, like I said, is is asking ourselves: Do we have peace with God today, or are we far away from Him? Are we disconnected? If so, the first part of our mission is, uh, as a church and as individuals, is to be connected with Jesus, and our second part is to connect others with Jesus. Uh, I, I think of Isaiah 57, 9, uh, to wash over us as we think of this as peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. What a, what a great passage when we, when we think of our primary uh, spot of being in a place where we are right with God, but then the secondary, which is doing everything we can to make other people right with God. Uh, the second part is is the outflow of the first, which is we will achieve peace, the peace of God. In order to have the peace of God eternally, we must first, ex- first experience peace with God. Uh, and and so it's now moving from that relationship to that gift that he gives us. Uh, we will experience this peace in proportion to, to the room that we I think we give the Holy Spirit in our lives as well. Uh, and, and what that looks like and where we, if we're willing to go, where God calls us. Uh, and and so that really is the the one well the one key component of this peace with God leads to the peace of God. The second part, of course, is understanding peace with others. When we're at peace with God and we have our own internal peace, then we can be at peace with others. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the, the famous uh, German pastor slash theologian, once said, the followers of Jesus have been called to peace. When he called them, they found their peace, for he is their peace. Now they are told that they must not only have peace, but make it themselves. And this is where Jesus comes with this Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, right? And, and it's not blessed are the peacekeepers, but the peacemakers or peace workers, people who work actively work for peace. Now, there's a big difference, right? Because there's a difference between blessed are the peacekeepers and those who are actively making peace. Uh, the peacekeepers, it, uh, it, as many ways as we see it with, for example, the United Nations, uh, they send peacekeepers over to areas to make sure that war doesn't break out. They're doing everything in their power to prevent something bad from happening. The peacemaker is actually trying to stop the scenario itself, create peace. So war is never even an option. So much of it is about restoration. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. So the question that we have as we ask, try and figure out what peace with others looks like is, are we planting peace with others or are we sowing maybe seeds of strife? And we have to determine whether we want to be that planter of peace or not. Uh, our goal is to see people restored in Christ. Uh, but we also want to see relationships restored. Because because peace with others brings the same thing as we experience peace with God, we experience the peace of God. Um, and as we w- seek to make peace with others, our goal is that others experience peace as well. The only way for people to have peace with God is to have inner that inside peace, that relationship with him. And to be at peace with others is for, for people like us to tell them about the gospel of peace, the gospel of God, which brings that true peace. Acts chapter 30, verse 36 is really great in this, uh, where it says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. Just as the shepherds hurried off to tell the good news, we also have to go and share peace with others as well. I I want us to think of it in a sense, as weird as it uh, may be, is, you know, we think of those angels declaring peace to all men within with whom his favor rests to the shepherds out in the fields of Bethlehem that day uh, and and that message that Jesus has been born now if you're listening to this and you're a Christ follower you have heard that message maybe not with a host of angels declaring it to you but you've heard the saving grace of the gospel and now it's time for us to do exactly what those shepherds did that day in Bethlehem, which is go and share the news uh, of the gospel. Share so people can experience the peace that you experience. Now, as we finish, I want to make it clear, right? Just because, you know, the peace that maybe the world determines is saying peace and quiet, right? It's that that moment after you've been Oh, I remember I, I would ride when I was a youth pastor, I would work and we would go on retreats and you would ride on a school bus for four hours with 40 kids and you get out and you're just like, I just, I just want a quiet room. <laughs> you know, I just want 
peace. Um, and, and while people are looking for that type of peace, the, the realization is, is that there's going to be chaos. You can experience peace in chaos. And it's not in the form of just silence. Uh, it's the form of God's peace. And in a world that is so filled with chaos, that is so filled with hurt, uh, our hope is that we can deliver that true gospel of peace, that gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. Uh, I think that's a great place for me to leave it today. So I'm just going to stop right there uh, as we finish up in peace. Uh, We're going to continue on in our Advent series next week, and I'm looking forward to that. But I want to thank you for joining me today uh, and joining me with this podcast as we take a deeper look into Advent. I hope you're enjoying it. I know I am. So take care. Have a great week. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church/welcome and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.